is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow! To throw rainbows it down the right side for Kyle Pitts. He's got it. He's there. Touchdown! Oh my indeed. Welcome everyone to the Sports Bits Podcast with MoCo. Here to talk about all things Florida Gators and Boston Celtics. You can follow me on Twitter at SportsBitsPod for any updates on when I upload. I will also be tweeting out live takes and reactions of the games being played that day. I know I keep saying this, but uh, this is just for sakes of when I get this thing set up. But if you're on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify... You know, listen to the podcast if you're on Apple, please leave a five-star review. And if you're on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. It would be much appreciated. Get to more ears. You know, get the, get the word out there that this podcast is an upcoming podcast. And I love doing this thing, so hopefully it can get start to grow. And for the Florida Gator side, there's just a quick update on the coaching hires. There's a guy named Jules Mont- uh, Montaner who just got hired for the Florida defense. He's the last coaching slot they need to get filled on the secondary side. So it's going to be Wilsley McGriff and Jules Montaner. And I don't know who's going to be taking what role, but, you know, he's still there for the secondary. And to quote Dan Mullen, his experience in recruiting in the state and familiarity in the conference will be a huge asset to this program. He's referring to the uh, part that he's been involved in at Georgia and Texas. I mean, not Georgia and Texas, Georgia and Alabama. Sorry about that. But, yeah, he's been involved in Georgia and Alabama, and he's a native to Naples because he just recently came from USF. Yeah, with um, at the what was, what was his name? Yeah, Jeff Scott. He came from Jeff Scott's uh, coaching tree, so he he can't you know he has experience in the Florida area, so that'd be good for him. But you know, one thing to highlight about his experience though, with being in the SEC and being in the South, that his time at Georgia and Alabama were only assistant roles. He was never actually a serious coordinator or any like major uh, type of uh, coaching role there. So. You know, it's still good to have experience in the SEC as a, you know, as a coach, but he never had any serious coaching roles. He, his major, you know, like, you know, part of his resume that showed that he had some coaching, coaching experience was at Texas State in 2016 to 2018. For two years, he was the cornerbacks and special teams coordinator. So that really does show that he has experience, but not, you know, in the big Power 5 kind of setting. He did have experience at USF. So, you know, that does have some, you know, G5 experience, which is, I don't know how that's going to translate to the SEC, but, you know, we will see. You know, I think the big thing about this hire is the recruiting aspect. Excuse me. Yeah, but the recruiting aspect is a big thing. I think with these last two secondary hires, it was important for to have, like, the recruiting aspect just because I think, you know, Dan Mullen was hired to increase our, increase our productivity on recruiting, and I think he's done a great job so far. And I think with, you know, hiring new guys at, the, at every position, you know, secondary, quarterback, linebacker, whatever, you know, they should have a good recruiting background as well, you know, just to help Dan Mullen compete with, you know, the likes of Georgia, LSU, Alabama, who were actually ranked top five this last recruiting cycle in 2021. So it's kind of tough competing against those guys, and you're probably like fourth fiddle next to Texas A&M, and, you know, probably you could say Tennessee if they get their, their act together. But, yeah, it's going to be tough for them. And that's why I think that he was highlighting about the recruiting parts with Wells and McGriff and with uh, Jules Mc, uh, Montaner, that they, he wanted a good recruiting background, uh, especially in the state of Florida when they're trying to, like, I think what Dan Mullen's trying to do is trying to lock up the state so he's able to just keep the recruits in state. You know, you're going to be competing with Florida State if they're ever good again, 
you know, they get their act together. And also with Miami, who's starting to get stuff uh, fixed with um, with their coach. I can't forget their name. But, yeah, Derek, Derek King will be back there as well. So that's also another selling point for Miami. He's like, yeah, you're going to have a great, a great quarterback back. So hopefully, you know, that will pull some guys. And I think they did with their last two five-stars they just recruited from the same high school that Jason Marshall was actually from. And I know Florida was trying to compete with those guys to get all those three um, three group of guys, the three trio from that high school to actually go to Florida instead of, you know, being split up and one going to Florida and two going to Miami. But, yeah, Miami's doing a great job with recruiting as well. So that's one thing you have to really be concerned about if you're a Florida fan just because, you know, you have another in-state rival to worry about. Plus, if USF, you know, ever becomes very powerful like they did in 2018, they could eventually pull some recruits away from UF as well. So you really need to be aware of that and, you know, be prepared and hire good, hire good people for the future. And I think they did that with Jules Montaner because I think the recruiting part, is, as I said, I keep saying it's a big aspect to it. But, yeah, that's really it for the, uh, the uh, quick update. You know, there's not much else in the transfer portal. You know, we've already talked about the corner, the linebackers and the, and the defensive tackle situation, also about the, uh, the special teams, about the kicker that left and also the new kicker that came in from Mississippi State. So we didn't. there's not really much to talk about. But, you know, actually, in our next segment for the uh, Boston Celtics, there's a lot to talk about just because it's a doubleheader with the Sixers. That's going to be a big thing. And I'm actually going to have a guest, a new guest on the, on the segment. So if you guys stick around for that, you guys will be able to hear him and his opinion. He's also a big Nets fan, so this does concern him. So, yeah, he's always dealing with the Sixers and Bucks like we are, and he can give his opinion on that. But yeah, on the floor side, that is it. I will see y'all next week. I don't know what's going to be happening. There's it's a pretty slow time. But yeah, until next week, boys. I will see y'all. And if you're here for the Boston segment, stick around, and I'll be back in a minute. See you. And we're back. All right. So a quick little side note. Um, we do have two guys on uh, two guys on the podcast now. Uh, of course, my friend James is back. But we also got a new guest. Uh, new guest, Reed. Would you like to introduce yourself? What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me, Moko. Appreciate it. No, nothing else that's it <laughs> what else i'm not, not very interesting we're in the same grade kid <laughs> all right that's fair that's fair well to the guests who don't know reed's one of my longtime boys he's one of my you know main guys you know when i came to mason you know i met along with james and james actually introduced me to reed my pleasure brother. and the big uh the background is he's a big nets fan so you know, you can give Big Nets fan. That's right. Give him a shit for every whatever you want. No, so. no, 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 no. I've been a, I've been a Nets fan since they were in New Jersey. I don't want. There I don't want. I don't want to hear any bandwagon. I don't want to hear go. any See, bandwagon talk. There you go. It's, he's just respected Nets fan, not like a bandwagon. All right. So I'm gonna jump right into it. We're gonna mainly talk about the uh, Sixers game, and then we're gonna jump like a, like a quick segment on the Bulls and the um, the Cavs games because those were kind of blowouts, and those didn't really have anything to talk about. Only a couple things. So mainly the uh, the Sixers game we're going to talk about because that two game series was kind of sad, and it needed a little breaking down considering how much crap we did. We like we just built a whole brick brick house on the floor. So first thing I want to talk about mainly is Joel Embiid because he was the menace on the court. I want to just throw out the stat line for right now, and, and Joel, I'm going to have his game one stats and his game two stats. So his game one stats, he had 42 points and 10 rebounds, and his mm-hmm. game two set 38 and 11 rebounds. And this is without Robert Williams, so I don't know if that had a factor in it. But James, I want to get go to you first because you're a big Robert Williams guy. How do you think uh, that affected the the court? I, personally, I think that uh, that Robert Williams was uh, easily, the, which we've mentioned before on your podcast, that uh, Robert Williams is probably the best defensive center that you guys have on your roster. 
for the Celtics and uh, for that him not to be there definitely hurt them a lot because they they don't have the size to be able to 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 back up and hold Joel Embiid under 30. I mean, he he's already a dominant force. He's an MVP candidate this year. I mean, Robert Williams is easily could contain him. Not I'm not saying that he would he would be able to contain him to a ridiculous amount like 15 points or anything, but he might have been able to hold him hold him to like 20. 25 and I think that you know he might have been able to get the offense going a little bit more with pick and roll especially if he was if he was there Uh, but the lack of him not being there definitely hurt their their center position and you guys just don't you you just don't have the the type of power in the center position still which is a shame because Brad Stevens doesn't is still resilient to like not playing Robert Williams full time, and I think that that's still a poor decision by him. And I think that they need to just let him loose. But um, I mean, don't don't forget to mention that Tobias Harris also had a game uh, when they played the second time. I mean, he he had 23 points and eight rebounds on top of that. Being able to contain Tobias Harris is is also a problem for uh, for the Celtics because he's such a good player, even though a lot of people forget about him because he's now a third option for them. So I think that them having a little bit more wide open space for being able to facilitate on their side of the court more is a lot more difficult for the, uh, for the Celtics defense to contain. Yeah. uh, Before Rigo's, I actually made a mistake. So he was out the first game, the second game, he was in the game for 15 minutes. So I don't know if that Mm -hmm. made any effect. But, but that's what I'm it saying. It was actually that. Aaron Neesmith who was actually out that game. So I don't know. Yeah. And Neesmith that, after that, the most two recent games has been really good. But uh, would you like to say something about that? Even even so, though, like like I mentioned before, Brad Stevens is still holding him back from not playing the starting position, which I think is hurting the team. I mean, I, you know, Stevens needs to open his mind a little bit more, which is what I uh, mentioned to you a couple podcasts ago that, uh, you know, he's still kind of similar to Doc. Uh, Rivers, if to be specific, that they they have a certain game plan and that they want to stick to it, and I think that they, he needs to widen his options a little bit more, especially against teams like the Sixers who have a lot of guys that can score, and you can't really contain only one person. You kind of have to be able to work as a team and have that team chemistry on the floor, especially on defense, since the Celtics defense has been struggling a little bit this year. They. Robert Williams would have helped so much. Yeah. Uh, Reed, would you have anything to add that as a Nets fan, you are concerned about the Sixers. So do you have anything to add, uh, add, that, add um, to that uh, that little bit? Yeah, so actually, I, th- I think, you know, James brought up a lot of good points, um, especially about the Celtics defense. They're definitely, I mean, you got Daniel Tice as another center. Okay, you know, not, uh, I mean, Daniel Tice isn't terrible, but obviously he's not really uh, someone that can be like a good, he's not really a, a first center option. Um, and then Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown are also two very good defensive players, but they can't really guard centers. They're too small. So I think that definitely the Celtics need to get, um, or Brad Stevens, like James said, definitely needs to open up his mind, play Robert, 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 uh, ugh, Robert Williams, uh, and, you know, really just kind of open his mind because definitely their defense is hurting them. It's funny enough that you mentioned Daniel Tice, because if I've looked at his stats recently, he's been scoring like 15, 20 plus a game some nights. And, like, he's a really good offensive option, but I feel like 
if you watch him during games, like certain, like especially against big centers, like he's very soft on defense. Yeah, sometimes. he's not. Yeah. He's not strong. He's not strong. He's not strong, um, but yeah, he's 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 like a um like a cat. I think it w- I could replace him like a like a discount okay. cat. I could I could definitely see that because yeah, I mean because we all know uh, obviously cat you know is capable of putting up big numbers and he's a pussy on defense and I think yeah same exact thing with Daniel Tice. Okay. I'm so sorry, but I think that's just that maybe a hot take, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's fair. That's fair. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention. Just uh, keep keep the you know that kind of stuff. Just keep it like on the low, like the just don't swear. Oh yeah, much. my bad. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, that's I didn't, fair. It's, it's a one time thing. You're yeah. good. You're good. It's yeah. your first time on. Easy I'm not edit. gonna. I can. I can. I can do whatever with it. But um, the next thing about the the Sixers game I want to talk about mainly is the defense. Did you guys watch? I don't know. I was at least I was watching these. I think the second game. Did you guys watch the first game at all? The first game of the series? I watched a little bit of the highlights, but... Um, I haven't seen I, anything I didn't, of it, to be honest. I didn't... Yeah, I didn't extensively watch it, but because, you know, it was a tough matchup for them, and I kind of expected the Sixers to win the first game. I kind of hoped hoped that the Celtics would bring it back, especially since Robert Williams was back for the second game. But again, like, he didn't play uh, that much, at least, and um, it still hurt them uh at, at the end of the day, along with, you know, having Curry back on the Sixers for the second game. I mean, that that hurt them as well. I mean, even though Seth Curry isn't, you know, a world beater, he can definitely score score the ball and he's definitely facilitate for the team. So it, it, it it's fine. He's a good balance. three. He's a good three ball shooter, too. Great three ball shooter. I mean, he's having a season for real. I mean, he, he uh, at the moment he's averaging. Uh, I think I think it was something I, I forget w- exactly what the numbers were, but I think that he was averaging 100% from free throw uh, for free throw percentage this year, 60% from the field and 50% from three point, which is absolutely insane. If he keeps that up, then That's I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why he wouldn't be considered a threat for the Sixers now. Yeah, so 60, 50, 100 would be the first. I remember you told me this. It would be the first ever player to hit a 60 or 60, 50, 100. On that season, little yeah. shooting, shooting, um, shooting, uh, spread, split. yeah, shooting split, yeah, and that would be crazy. I mean, he does, he, he has a lot of his load is a lot less just because they have the top three guys taking the main brunt of the force, and they're the, course, the mainly yeah. defense is going to focus on those three guys and leave Seth open for whatever he needs to do, exactly. So, yeah, I feel that, and yeah, I mean, like, I was going to mainly ask about like. The defense, because I looked at the defensive rating for both the both the games. The de- the Celtics defensive rating was 120 the first game and 125 the second game, which mm-hmm. vice versa makes the the Sixers uh, offensive rating 120 and 125 respectively. And I mean, I mean, it kind of really just shows how well they played. Like the, all, the, I'm assuming the top three guys and probably Seth Seth Curry too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, do you have any comments on like how the defense could like potentially improve? Like how they should match up in the future with, you know, with the top three guys on the Sixers, uh, James first. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, James, so, first. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I think that if, if, if Curry continues to be a threat for the Sixers, they really need to focus on their perimeter defense and uh, be able to guard on, on path, maybe even past the perimeter. And um, I think that, like, like I said before, I think, you know, I, I really think that they should just let Robert Williams loose and, and be able to guard these top guys that are in the center position because it'll help their defensive rating a lot. He, like I said before, Robert Williams is the best defensive center that you guys have on your team. And on top of that, I think that 
a lot of, of, of what I've noticed in past Celtics games is that they aren't the huge fans of switching. And if they do switch, they're slow on it. So if they are struggling with switching on defense, then they need to, one, work on their chemistry and be able to communicate on the court. And two, maybe switch up the defense to his own because realistically mm-hmm. teams like the Sixers are really defense, uh, defensive teams. So, you know, if you're going to be lacking already on offense slightly, then you need to make up for it on defense. And as of right now, which we've mentioned multiple times before, the Celtics are lacking. So I think that they need to be able to step that up with either the switching game or uh go into his own. Reed, do you have any extra comments on the uh, defense um, on the Celtics? Yeah, I think that against the Sixers, um, Embiid, Embiid has proven time and time again that he can, str- he can struggle immensely under a good double team. And I think that um, he's going to go into the, obviously he goes into the paint a lot. All right, that's what he does. And if the Celtics can get a good double team on him, um, I, I th- he, he's going to struggle a lot more, you know, because uh, it's, it's just been it, you, you watch the game and you can tell that whenever they double him, he has to, he either kicks it out or he'll take a bad shot, you know, so they definitely need to start working on him specifically because you can't take away every option of a team. Obviously, there's always going to be something, especially on the Sixers, who now have solid players in many, many positions. You know, they got we have Seth Curry, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, just to name a few. Obviously, they have good options. So I think that they should, you know, start, try to take away one of those, like 100%, instead of really trying to, like, dig at each of them a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I think yeah. that really if they take away Joel um, in the paint, then they're definitely going to have a way easier time um, defending them. Because, yeah, Seth Curry can shoot, right? But I'd, I'd rather have some guy huck up nine threes a game you know, then have Joel Embiid sit in the paint and get 25 easy, easy points. You know what I mean? That's fair. And um, so the last thing I'm going to mention is that Tatum was out for both of these games. So how do you, do you think that would have made a change having That's awesome. a, a dominant like leader slash power forward? I think he could match up well against, especially Ben Simmons or Tobias Harris. And that would probably leave the center position available for a double team. Do you think that would have affected the game at all? Uh, Reed, you can go first this time. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I think that Jason Tatum definitely would have helped them, obviously. I mean, he's an offensive th- I, threat, doesn't even begin to describe it. Um, and then on defense, he's not he's not terrible on defense either. So I think that Jason Tatum definitely could have helped them out, especially in that forward slot. Uh, James, do you have anything to add? Um, I mean, I, the, the only thing that I would say is that, I, I mean, realistically, I agree with you, Reed, but the and to a certain standpoint, I mean, like I said before, that the the Sixers already have a really good offensive rating, so being able to contain that entire team is, is difficult enough. But what I will say though is that Tatum being there on the offensive would have definitely helped and possibly would have won them that second game if he was there. So I I think that you know Tatum on the floor doesn't totally shift the balance of their defense but completely changes the game when it comes to offense so I think that it you know I mean he is their best player so realistically he's going to be an absolute threat on the court and they and the Sixers might have focused on him more had he been there so if that was the case then 
probably they probably would have won because uh, there already were other guys on the Celtics that were scoring a lot, like you said, with Jalen Brown, Mark Smart, and uh, Daniel Tice, especially in the first game. You know, Kemba Walker was was a parent, but he needs to step up on top of that too, and um, and they need to uh, they need to they need if they're they have such a um, a deep bench in my opinion. But uh, so, like, get those guys involved. Get Javante Green in there. Get Semi Olajay in there. I I know Peyton Pritchard got injured recently, and the, uh, that he's coming back from uh, from that hard hit. But I mean, get some get some bench guys involved. I mean, if if the starting lineup isn't providing what you need, then then you got to be able to switch the game up. And that's when I that leads me back to you know Brad Stevens not opening his mm-hmm. mind as much. So I, I think I, I think definitely there. Brad Stevens is. Um at least the last couple games as they've been playing, Brad Stevens is definitely not helping the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, hopefully he can change it up for the postseason because usually he is a really good postseason guy and he's able to, scheme. I agree with that. Yeah. He's no, able he's to scheme for certain is. guys, certain teams, because he has that seven games and he's able to like test the waters first couple of games and figure out what he needs to do to definitely. scheme for the, for the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is just a regular season. We'll see how it plays out. But if I want uh, to transition to the next two games, I mean, the Cavs game was a complete blowout and the, yeah. and the Chicago game, like I watched it and it had, it was the Celtics entirely dominated that game. There's no chance I saw, there was no opening I saw or no impactful moment that I saw from the, from the bulls that could change the tide of the game. I mean, there was not much really to talk about other than on the Cavs. Kevin Love was injured. I don't know if that would have mattered as much. I mean, if you guys have any opinions on that, like you guys Kevin Love it. might go to the Nets, to be honest. That, oh, that is, yeah. yeah, they're talking about that. And JaVale McGee, uh, the Nets are interested in him as well. Yeah, for uh, for Reed, it would be great. I mean, the Cavs really, I think they're, I, mean, I think they're, yeah, what's up? Well, no, we definitely do need a center position, you know? I mean, we have right now DeAndre Jordan, okay? And DeAndre Jordan isn't terrible, but, it's, I mean, he's he's way past his prime. Like, you know, he, he's definitely not what we need um we need and we like he's not he's not the he's not as quick on defense anymore you know and I think that the Nets right now we need defense okay we have Kevin Durant James Harden and Kyrie Irving uh two of those guys who will remain nameless are notorious for being horrible on defense you know are they're so bad so we definitely need defense we definitely need defense no doubt but um I'll be you honest, the, a quick thing before, I, before you go, James, like, honestly, yeah. all three of those guys can have terrible defensive nights, and, like, if all three mm-hmm. are terrible... Yeah, well, and also, it, Kevin Durant it'll, is... It'll is he's fragile. Yeah, yeah, no, Kevin and Kevin Durant, he may be big, but he's fragile, you know, so he's not really that great on defense either. Yeah. I think, James, we're going to say that about, like, all three of them could have a terrible defensive night at any game kind of deal. Yeah, I, I was going to mention that, but I was also going to uh, throw back to the, to, to the Cavs game and uh, that, you know, like... Even though they all pretty much the entire team did terribly, I mean, uh, they didn't even have a player that was that scored more no than one, 13 no one tops, points, yeah, no one topped 15. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, if you're if, and they, realistically, they don't even have that bad of a roster, in my opinion. I mean, like, I yeah, agree. Garland came back, but like, yep. and, uh, Sexton did okay. Uh, leading the team with 13 points, which is terrible. But uh, I mean, like both of them, they they're gonna. And Andre Drummond up. only picked up five boards. Mm-hmm. That's, he and, he needs he needs to be better. Yeah, if, if they're I, gonna win. And in my opinion, I think Andre Drummond's on the way out of Cleveland. I think that he's gonna leave during the off season. Jared Allen will be the main center. 
but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, which it, I think it, would be a good option for them because Jared Allen's young. He's tough. Um, you know, he's a great rim protector, a good glass cleaner. So definitely Jared Allen is the move, you know, makes me cry a little bit thinking that, uh, thinking about giving him away. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, for the, but for the Cavs game, I mean, like the, the Celtics absolutely destroyed them in every quarter. I mean, they, they, uh, in the first quarter, the Celtics scored 38, which was right out of the gate already. Just spider monkey, absolute, like, going at their throats the next in the second quarter they scored 35 to the Cavs 30 uh third quarter they scored 41 to the Cavs to the Cavs 27 and in the fourth quarter scored 27 again so it's like you know it, it the, the Celtics absolutely dominated that dominated that game to your point Makoto and I I think that the the, the Celtics matchup between the Cavs which is insane to me how the Nets could lose to them twice and then the Celtics. Bro, don't even, don't remind me. Don't remind me. <laughs> I know, me. I, I mean, know, but like honestly, like it, no, it just baffles no, me. No, it no, and I mean, same, especially so, as a Nets fan. I mean, now getting beat by them once, Colin Sexton had incredible games for both of them. You know, getting beat by them once, it's like, all right, fine. You know, but when fucking Kyrie Irving, sorry, I did it again. Um, when, <laughs> Ky- when, when Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant are on the floor and you lose to a team that has no one that's really like, none of, no one on the Cavs has big of names as any of those players that I just named. So uh, yeah, it was definitely baffling. But watching the games, you could definitely see that Cleveland knew exactly what they were doing. Sexton single-handedly dismantled the Nets defense in their overtime period. Um, so yeah, watching those games, you could definitely tell that uh, Nets defense is the problem, but um, that Cleveland is Cleveland has some offensive weapons. Yeah. Cleveland's and, uh, tough. And Cleveland is. They have a good roster, like um, Makoto. You said before, they definitely have a good roster. Yeah, I wanted to just uh, wrap it back to the Celtics before, and the last comments about mm-hmm. the Cel- uh, Cavs I'll make is just they have up and coming stars. I feel like they're not they're not like like all star superstar names, but I think they're, they're going to be on the come up. They're yeah. consistent. I think they're on the come up, and I think they're a young team that'll eventually become like the Celtics, where they have a bunch of young guys that develop into great guys. Mm-hmm. Totally Darius good. Garland, Sexton, and Jared Allen are going to be the top three guys, and it's going to end up being like the Celtics as long as they find a good GM and coach to put that team together. I think that'll be exactly how that team develops. And mm-hmm. just going to the quickly to the Bulls game, I mean, not much really happened other than Levine dropped 30, and that's yeah. really else. And then Wendell Carter was out. And I don't think a defensive center would have helped because we're more of a guard perimeter-focused team. Right. So I really think that would have helped. And Tatum was back too, which really helped either our perimeter. And he, he's an all-around all scorer, so it didn't matter mm-hmm. what where he was, yeah. he could still score. And Wendell Carter might have helped the interior defense, but – Going to the outside, it's hard to it's hard to guard these top these like four guys. Like if you play a four and out type of, type of offense, where you have like Tatum, Brown, Smart, and you can plug in whoever, uh, you know, like Aaron Neesmith even as the mm. four guys out in the primary, it's impossible to stop these guys. And right, the one thing I wanted to bring up about um, um, the Bulls game is that the um, the use of of young guys that they put in the lot of they started a lot of young guys and gave them a lot of minutes, like you know. Javante Green, you were mentioning, for example, at 18 minutes. Yeah. Aaron Neesmith at 18 minutes. Samuel like 16 minutes. Carson Edwards uh, was at 12 minutes, and he scored six points, which is pretty good for, I think, a rookie who has barely gotten minutes in the past two years when he was on the Celtics. Yeah, I like mean, this, it, is it where I wanna, this is what I want to see more of from, from Bennett Stevens. Get your whole team involved. 
you have a deep roster. You have like nearly what what uh, what was it? 14, 15 deep roster now. Yeah, fourteen, like, fourteen yeah. with all the guys excluding Peyton Pritchard because he's um he's injured. Yeah, yeah. So like it, it's like get get all those guys involved. I mean, you have a lot of talent on the bench, so why not use it? I mean, yeah, uh, I completely agree. Yeah, so I think that during the bowl game, uh, Brad Stevens did a great job of that. I mean, he got a lot of guys involved. They had uh, their lowest scorer was um, was Carson Edwards with uh, with six points. Other than disregarding the fact that of players that Tristan zero. Thompson took no shots, <laughs> and he had ten rebounds. Like that, that's great. Even though he didn't score, having ten, having those ten. Oh rebounds yeah, no big fast. I just thought, I just thought that the fact that he played seventeen minutes and didn't even attempt a single shot is hilarious. Oh yeah, it's really funny. But uh, I, it's, I mean. Uh, it's understandable because yeah. that's kind of what we signed him for is to be that Al Horford type of player, like not on offense, yeah. but I feel like more of a Oh yeah, no doubt. He's a, he's definitely a glass cleaner, um, you know, type player. Definitely not an offensive weapon. I just, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we, we have our offensive center as Tice and then we have our defensive center as Thompson. I think we can always switch yeah. him out for whatever we need. And I like, agree. even though Thompson's small, he's still, he's still, you know, you know, he still is big enough to like be able to guard these most of these centers, stuff like Joel Embiid, which is going to be a whole different story. Yeah, well, Joel Embiid is a yeah. different beast. And you know, and you, on, you gotta you gotta do something else about that guy. And on top of it, during the during the Bulls game, uh, don't forget to mention that Marcus Smart had eleven assists. Like, is- the, I I think that this uh, when the Celtics have a good facilitator like that on the court. You know, getting guys like Tatum and Brown open shots, obviously they're going to win, okay? Because mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, you know, both of them, Jalen Brown and Tatum can create their own shot. But if they have a good facilitator, you know, like like Marcus Smart dropping 11 dimes, they definitely are going to have a much smoother offense. And uh, I just started to interrupt, but Zoom has the 40-minute limit. So I'm going to quickly jump into this last segment. So just give me like a one-minute reaction or one-minute like like – kind of comment about the game. So we're going to talk about the Lakers versus Celtics this, uh, this Saturday. And like, Lakers what's your quick Celtics. Lakers versus Celtics this Saturday on ABC, uh, like the 30th, obviously. So James, what, give me your one minute sentence, like reaction. Like, how do you feel about that game for the Celtics? I think that it's scary, but it's doable. I, I genuinely think that it, that the Celtics can, can beat the Lakers if they, if they all put in the work and that uh, they, they have their main guys doing their job and they involve their bench. That's all I got to say. All right, Reed, what's your one-minute reaction? Uh, I think that, well, first off, it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, second off, <clears throat> the um, Brad Stevens definitely needs to go into his bench, you know, if he, if he wants to win this game. And the defensive players on the Celtics need to really step up and uh, look at AD and LeBron and make sure that, you know, they really keep them in check. All right, that's fair. And that is it for this week. We will catch you all next week. So the quick thing I want to talk about at the end of the show, I'll rinse and repeat again from the previous segment, is that I'm currently in college and all three of us are in college. So the recording, uh, like the posting and uploading will be a little bit sporadic. It'll be Tuesdays and Thursdays every week, but I I will announce when I'll upload during that week because I don't know when we're going to all be able to get together and, you know, be able to record this. So for this week, it'll be Thursday. I don't know what's going to happen for next week. So for right now, just like, you know, keep them on Twitter, uh, Sports Bits Pod, and just keep checking on updates because that's when I'll be, you know, tweeting and saying, like, you know, I'll be posting Thursday or, I'll, you know, I'll be busy. So, you know, Thursday and then or if I can record Tuesday, I'll post it. But, yeah, for that's it for everybody. If you guys have any last closing words before we, uh, before we end it. Nope, I'm good. Just thanks for having me, Moko.
So yeah, you'll see a lot more of Reed, especially because I'm, I'm liking it. I'm liking this chemistry we have here, all three of us mm-hmm. on the yeah. Celtics bits. Big three, big three. <laughs> oh yeah, the big three. All right, I will see y'all next week, everybody. Peace.